Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. All right. Well, make sure you join us, right, as we prepare our hearts and our minds for Easter. Can you believe we're talking about Easter? Is that just blow your mind a little bit? It's crazy. Sometimes it feels guilty, but boy, uh, time just keeps chugging along, doesn't it? Well, good morning, North Shore. It's good to see all of you. I am lead pastor Scott Harris, and I'm, I'm just excited for um, just the message God has in my heart. And so if you need a Bible, slip your hand up, and the ushers will get one to you, and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We are going to continue our study there. Uh, but before I step into that, um, I do come up here with a pretty heavy heart. Um, and if you received my email, you know that I um, announced the passing of uh, Pastor Dave Grant. Uh, pastor Dave, if you are new here, uh, worked at North Shore as a pastor for over 30 years. It was, um, I think, seven years ago for some health reasons he had to step away and um, it was just on a journey. I won't even try to pronounce what he struggled with, but it was degenerative and we just uh, saw this great man of faith, you know, uh, walk through this uh, in faith. <clears throat> you know, he'd been a pastor up in Marysville prior to that, so I think he has 35, 40 years of shepherding this region. <clears throat> we love him. We love his family, uh, his wife, Carol, and, you know, as they walk through this grief. So let's make sure we just um, uh, pray with them, alongside them. <clears throat> but I'll tell you this, what I love is to be along uh, uh, a family so full of faith. It is absolutely a different experience um, of watching them step into uh, the hope and, and victory of Jesus Christ um, in a season like this. So, uh, Carol, I know you guys watch each week and your family. We love you. Uh, we are with you. And I'll keep all of you informed, okay? <laughs> well, as I said, we are in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we are continuing our series called The Worthy Walk. And much like the last time I preached a couple weeks ago, I'm going to start with the subject that I'm not really qualified to talk about, and that's exercise, okay? I should be, I'm not. Um, but the rumor is, I'm not sure how to enter at this point, um, I've read, I've heard that the most effective exercise you can do is called power walking, the power walk, right? Because what you do is you, you use the mechanics of your bodies to their maximum, for maximum health and maximum of even movement that doesn't cause injury but really gets you going where you're, you need to go. So the power walk, as I was thinking about this, it is a perfect metaphor for today's scripture and what's on Paul's heart. And that is this, he wants us to use what God has given us uh, for maximum spiritual health and maximum kingdom movement in our lives in the world around us. So we're going to look at Paul as he, he has a prayer for a power walk. So you get to Ephesians 3. We're going to start in verse 14. Let me just pray. Father, we love you. Your word is powerful. It's true. And I pray that it would do a good, mighty work in each of our lives as we came today, I pray we'd leave different because we've engaged God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And you love us so much, you don't leave us the same. So I pray that uh, we would incline our ears, our minds, our hearts 
to you and allow you to shape and mold us. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's start by reading our text. We're going to read Ephesians 3, starting verse 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him being the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Uh, it's good stuff there. Um, so, so Paul starts off here uh, by praying for the whole family. The whole family. Uh, Paul says, for this reason, what, what he's launching from is what uh, Mark preached on last week. If you haven't heard last week's message, make sure you go to the website and check it out. Great message. Uh, but what he's talking about is, uh, is the family of God got bigger because what God did is he brought the Gentiles, uh, the non-Jewish, right, people that believed in Jesus into a one family. The believing Jews, the believing Gentiles, all together, the whole family. And it's for this reason, Paul prays this, I want you to know this amazing God that does amazing, powerful work. I want you to know him and experience that powerful work in your lives. I mean, this opening verse here in this is so powerfully and personal for Paul. I love what you see, his love for the people. He loves these people. He loves them so much that he's, he says, I want you to experience everything that God has for you. You know, we know in Acts 20, we see when he was with them and they were departing and, and believing that they would never see each other again. The scene is them on their knees, praying, crying, hugging one another, kissing one another. This is how much he loved these people. So when we go through this prayer, it's coming from a deep place of love for these people, but also an acknowledgement of God. Paul is on his knees praying. Remember where he's at. Paul is in a prison in Rome. He is chained to a Roman guard. So get that scene. And what he does is he's on his knees. As I was reading this earlier and just sitting with that, I said, boy, how kind of embarrassing is that looking? You know, the mighty Paul, the leader of this great movement, the way. And there's this Roman guard, this powerful guard. And this guy, you know, in public is on his knees praying for these people. But I think Paul just said, I don't care. I know I love these people and I love God and I know who can make a difference. And he gets on his knees right there and he prays for them. He prays that these people, they are part of this family. God wants to do a great work in their lives too. So he prays. Now this scripture is... Uh, Deeply personal to me, um, uh, in many ways, obviously, it's the Bible, but also 
God did something kind of crazy and pointed me to the scripture at a time. And it was um, years ago, I took a group of kids uh, to Mexico on a mission trip. And one of the elements, I took a, our leadership team to a Mexican prison, okay? And um, I'm not sure what parents were doing, uh, letting me do that, but I've still, um, but they did. Um, and off we went, and it was scary. You walked up to that place, and, you know, the guards, I mean, no one has uniforms on. They're all in the street clothes, prisoners, guards, everybody. You can tell the guards because they had machine guns everywhere on the roof, in the hallways. You know, I don't speak Spanish, so I didn't understand anything anybody was saying. And we're ushered in with these kids, these teenage kids, and we go through this um, kind of pathway that uh, is between these cages. You can see these things, right? And the prisoners are just dumped in there, right? And they just start screaming at us, right? So just this intense scene. We're going and they're screaming and hanging on the fence. And, uh, and you know, we've got you know, teenagers, you know, teenage girls, and, that, and they're whistling and they're doing all this stuff. It's terrifying. And then we end up going up into this uh, room um, that we we're going to do a church service at. So we get up there, we sit there, and they told me a few weeks earlier that I would uh, be bringing the message. So I got my message all together here, and, was, and they all come marching in, about 100 or so of them, prisoners, and uh, the worship team jumps on the stage, and the worship team is this. It's this guy with this broken guitar, has four strings and two just dangling, they're broke, right? And the guy next to him, in my memory, uh, I think it's lit, had a Mickey Mouse drum set. I think there's actually Mickey Mouse on the uh, bass drum. One cymbal. I don't remember a snare. He might have had one. I don't know. Um, and I was like, okay, here we go. Uh, and they start praising God. I'll tell you what. Whew, I have not heard praise like that. I don't know about ever. It was th These guys are singing. It was hot out. They're sweating, you know, they're just praising God, and you just feel their power and their faith just exploding. And the Holy Spirit taps me on the shoulder and says, you arrogant jerk, you do not give them that message. Because my message is on repentance and how to get your life right. And I'm sitting there because I'm looking at these guys, and I said, well, I don't put message together really fast. So I have to work pretty hard at this stuff. Um, and I got about a song and a half, you know, and so, I, you, just, you know, most pastors, even when you know you're not supposed to give a message, you just try to power through it. Say, shh, be quiet, God. Uh, and he wouldn't leave me alone. Do not give him that message. I was like, what am I going to do? Now i got one song. So I'm whipping through there, the Bible, and you guys know where this is going. You know, I did this thing. I didn't know if I advised this or not. I'm just <laughs> trying to close my eyes, right? Um, and um, I, know, I think it was kind of like that. And all of a sudden, it lands on Ephesians 4, 3, and verse 14. I look down and start reading it. God says, tell him that. Tell him that. Um, so I got up, and I get right there, boom, called my name up with there, and it was just awesome what God did. You know, I had zero time to prepare. I just proclaimed that, hey, you are part of the whole family. You're in the family. I'm in the family. We're doing a great work. You're doing an incredible work here. What's overflowing out of this room into this broken prison is nothing short of powerful and amazing. You're the family of God. We're doing our work. We are together. Uh, and so this scripture means a lot to me. So, uh, so Paul starts off, man, just for this reason, I kneel before the Father whom every family in heaven and earth gets its name. We are all in this together. And like Paul, right, his heart, uh, my heart is for you, and I believe that God wants to do something amazing in your life, something powerful. And this is the invitation. This is this prayer. 
So then what Paul does is he starts praying for the work of the Holy Spirit. Starts praying for the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's read this scripture here. And what we're going to do, just so you know, over the course of the next two to three messages, there is a lot Paul talks about the Holy Spirit. So you're going to get different teachings of the Holy Spirit over the course of the next two to three weeks. So what Paul does is he starts off and he starts talking about the power. He says, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So what he does here, Paul, he starts talking about the Holy Spirit to them. Uh, he talks about this power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I want to give you just a little background of the, of the Spirit, okay? Um, first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is a person, okay? It's a spiritual person, meaning this, it has emotion, will, right, a, a mind, and why that's important is a lot of times we think of the Holy Spirit as some sort of impersonal ghost. And what do ghosts do? Freak us out, right? So also we get rid of, you know, a third member of the Trinity. You're gone because that's freaky and weird. I don't get it. No, the Holy Spirit's a person and we need to interact with the Holy Spirit like you would any other person. Like you would talk to Jesus, you talk to the Father, you talk to him. You listen to him. You learn from him. He's a person, not something to freak you out. Okay? Now, he's God, as I mentioned. Third member of the Trinity. So we can have confidence in him. So when we interact with him and, and hear from him, we can have confidence and trust because he is God. Right? The Holy Spirit... Uh, is God, and he is a promise from Jesus to us. What Jesus says is he was getting ready to, to go to the cross and leave this earth. He says, you guys, don't worry. I'm not going to leave you alone. But I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And, I, and I'll be quoting a lot from John 16, because uh, John 16 is where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and giving them the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. Uh, and in John 16 7, he says, I'm going I'm to leave you somebody that's going to do uh, amazing things, great works, even greater works. And that's a whole concept we'll touch on it maybe a bit later. So the Holy Spirit is a promise from Jesus. And that promise is that we will be empowered. Acts 1.8 says this, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, to be my witnesses. So the Holy Spirit uh, brings power for us. I love uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7. It says this, when I give you my spirit, uh, it won't be a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So the Holy Spirit, when it comes, is going to be powerful for us. Acts 2, that promise is fulfilled. The Holy Spirit comes. Something called Pentecost. Okay? In Acts chapter 2, Jesus promises us that you go and you wait. And they are there waiting. And in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, and this is after Jesus died and was resurrected and now ascended 
with the Father, or he's at the right hand advocating for us today. Holy Spirit comes, and, and man, the language uh, in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit, uh, like the sound of a, a rushing wind. Have you ever heard a strong windstorm? Just imagine that. How many of you have ever the Midwest and have experienced a tornado? Got a few of you there? Okay. I'm, it's kind of weird. I'm a little jealous. I'm not even sure why, okay? Um, uh, us West Coasters, you know, we don't know what we don't know, right? Um, but I've heard it's like a freight train. Like it's a freight train coming, just that wind. And it's, it's wind, right? That's all it is. So I think this is just, boom, the power of the Holy Spirit coming. Uh, and it, it says it filled the entire house. The whole house, they're all sitting there, and just woos, the sounds comes in, the Spirit comes in, just fills this place. And then they see tongues of fire land on each person. And this is important. These tongues of fire represents the presence of God. Fire in the Old Testament always represented God's presence. And this is huge in this moment. What those tongues of fire represent is God's presence and the Holy Spirit in our lives. The indwelling. Jesus or the Holy Spirit is with us, in us, indwelt in us. Powerful. We don't have to go anywhere. He is with us all the time, indwelt. And that brings power for us. So it starts with this. If you are going to walk with the Holy Spirit, uh, you're going to walk in power. You will have a powerful walk with God. You have to understand that. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a powerful life? Would you describe your life right now as powerful? Is it powerful? Too often, the answer is no. So I pray as you listen to today's message that you would open yourself up to this promise of power, this work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's my hope for you. So this depth that starts with starts uh, um, with, with power, but then it gets deeper. It gets deeper. Uh, listen to these next couple of verses, verses seventeen and eighteen. It says this: so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want to stop right there, okay? Right there, because what Paul says right ahead of that. He says, I want you to have this power of the Spirit strengthened in your inner being. What does that mean? Your inner being, right? It means your soul. He's talking about your soul there. And your soul is where you, it's the spiritual aspect, the spiritual center of you. And it's where you commune with God. So it's there in this place where our faith and it interacts with God and ultimately, hopefully comes to the surface, right? So what Paul is telling them is that I want you to have this power uh, that comes in your inner being, in your faith, that it inspires your faith. So he's saying is, to have the power of the Holy Spirit, it starts with faith. You have to have faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to trust it. How powerful is it? According to his riches of his glory, it says. A little picture. It's the difference of you coming to ask me to give you some money compared to going to ask Bill Gates. Right? Um, 
hopefully you're assuming that Bill Gates has more money than me, because that's a very safe assumption, right? He has a lot. I can't even fathom how much he has. So if you want some money, go ask him, right? You want power? Guess who has it? Abundantly. Creator of the universe says, come on, I'll give you it according to me, not you. You have faith that I've got it. And you ask for it. That's what Paul's praying. All right? So I love this thing. Let's keep talking about this depth. Starting verse 17 again. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. So this depth, man, it starts at the heart level. And I want you to understand this phrase because I'm going to unpack it here. The Holy Spirit's power is unleashed when the work of Jesus is at home in our hearts. Catch that? That the Holy Spirit's power is unleashed when the work of Jesus is at home in our heart. Okay? So the heart, this depth, it starts there. Uh, in John chapter 16, verse 8. It says, the Holy Spirit convicts us, the world, it says, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. What it's getting at here is this, the Holy Spirit comes in and it begins to cultivate a soil for us, work in our lives, letting us know that we're sinners, we have sin. About righteousness, that we need to be right with God. We need to be in a righteous relationship with God. And there's a judgment because we serve a just, beautiful God. And there's a judgment to come. And the Holy Spirit stirs our heart. And then what happens is the Father takes that, John 6, verse 44, as our heart is awakened for our need for God, the Father comes in and draws our hearts to Jesus right? Draws our hearts to Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit, John 16, verse 13, says that he comes in and guides us to all truth. He begins to grow us. He grows our heart in spiritual maturity. And it's really important. You saw in verse 17 what it says that all of that, you with me? Preparing our hearts, getting our hearts ready is so that that Christ may dwell in our hearts. See that? All that work by the Holy Spirit, the Father drawn us to Jesus so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. And now this is important. Hopefully it's all important. <laughs> but dwell there means to take residence in, to be established, to be at home with. Because think about home and growth. See, it's at home where you most likely will grow the most for this reason. It's where you spend the most time, right? It's where your most trust is. You know these people. You've known them since you were born. You're doing time with them. You're having experiences with them. And what happens over that, and you gain this trust, and love grows, that they begin to influence you. And you have confidence in them. And all of a sudden, values, characteristics, belief, and faith is transferred, right? 
That's what a Christian home is supposed to be. That's what our heart is to be, a home where the Holy Spirit does his work to prepare us so Jesus can be at home and established in our heart to dwell there so that we could grow and become all that God has us to be. So as Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit's power so that Christ will dwell in our hearts so we can grow and all the work going on in our hearts so God and Christ can be established in our heart. Okay? So it starts with the heart. And then it, it extends, if you look at the, uh, how big uh, this, what Christ is doing in our lives is, is the, the extent of this work. And it's really interesting. As you look at the scripture, it talks about Christ's love, right? That it, we might know Christ's love, might understand it and be rooted and grounded in all these things. When you look at Christ's love, you have to see it differently. For years, when I would read this scripture, what I think of is, ah, God loves me a lot, right? And that's a fine interpretation, but that's how you genuinely interpret it. We quote it everywhere, write it everywhere, okay? Um, that's only a portion of what this truth is speaking to, right? Uh, what it's saying is, remember, God is love. Jesus is God. Jesus is love. So when it talks about Jesus' love, it is talking about the totality of Jesus' love. And the Holy Spirit, John 16, uh, 14, tells us this, that he is going to declare everything about Jesus to us. The Holy Spirit is to put a spotlight on everything Jesus for us. You with me? And so in that, he wants us to know about Christ's love, all of Christ's love, every aspect of it. Because what Paul is praying, he says, you know, the breadth of it, the length of it, the width of it, the depth of it, it is everywhere and it consumes all things because it is not just Jesus' motives. You know, it's not just because he has an affection for you, that he loves you, because it's true, he's crazy about you. Jesus is so in love with you. That's truth, but there's more. It's everything he's done is about his love. Why did he go to the cross to die for your sins? Love. He loves you. Why did he go to the grave and three days later rise again to have victory over death? Because he wants you to be with him. He loves you. He loves you. Why did he teach you uh, that he would give you peace and you can find rest in him? And his burden is not heavy. In fact, it's light and easy. Why? Because he loves you and he's love. Why did he tell you to love your enemies? A little harder, huh? Ooh, that's not love. Right? Mom and dad, you tell your kid to put down the video game? Do you think they think you're doing it because you love them? But let me ask you a question because I'm seeing a lot more moms and dads. Um, are you doing it because you love them? The answer is yes. You're seeing something that, you know, I mean, rarely, mom, I'm, a, I'm a parent to it. Every once in a while we get in a bad mood and do something because we're a stinker, but generally it's motivated love, right? Right? Generally it's love, right? We love and want the best, right? We want, Jesus wants us to love our enemies for this reason because uh, he wants us to forgive them, Right? Is forgiveness about our enemy and exonerating them? 
What's it about? Freeing you. It's about freeing you. It's because he loves you. It's a hard teaching. It's a hard teaching. And if you're with me, man, sometimes I don't like it because, boy, that being angry feels good, doesn't it? <laughs> he wants to free us from that because of his love, right? The mission he has for us is because of his love. It's the totality of him. Christ's love, it's the extent of it. It's everywhere, the mission. He wants us to know this love and how wide and deep it is so that it can overflow so people can see it and experience for themselves. His mission is not about, I need some people to work the church and greet at the doors and watch kids, all that. No, he says, all of this calling is because of love. The full extent of him, right? So the depth of it is his heart, right? He wants to have Christ dwell in our hearts. Christ's love, the totality of it, the extent of it. But I love this. Um, he also brings us support, right? He brings us support for that. Uh, and let me keep reading here for us. I love this. John 16, 7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Oh, what he's talking about here uh, is the support. The depth keeps going. The helper here is the Holy Spirit, right? Counselor, some of your translations will say there. Uh, and the words he uses uh, in Ephesians 3 there is rooted and grounded. Right? He's saying this calling to walk in the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, is hard and difficult. And my work encompasses everything. Everything. And I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to give you support. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm here. The helper is coming. The counselor is going to come. And I want you to be rooted in that. Rooted, when you think of rooted, uh, the picture he's trying to paint for us is like a tree. I was thinking of John, or Jeremiah 17, verse 8, right? Is that if we trust in the Lord, verse 7, it says there, verse 8 says uh, that we will be rooted like a tree that's planted by water and our roots will extend out and then when the drought comes, it won't affect us and our leaves will be green. What it's saying is this here. He's saying, I want you to be rooted. I'm going to root you. The Holy Spirit's going to come and help Christ work root deep in your life. And when you are rooted deeply, what happens is you are fed and nourished through the Holy Spirit so that it can sustain the journey. Think of a power walk. And um, if you've ever gone on a long-distance walk, um, again, something I don't know about, but I, I've seen it on TV, um, is what they do is there's a bunch of people stand there handing you stuff at, you know, about every mile or so. What are they doing? They're supporting you, right? They're nourishing you. Keep going. You got a journey to go. It is hard. Boom. If you're from Spokane, you know about Bloomsday? They call it Doomsday Hill, right? It's coming. Take this water. Take this. Gatorade, all this stuff. Go. Here's a bar. Go, go, go. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He roots you. He roots you so you can keep going. You're nervous. And then he does this. 
Then your fruit, you'll have fruit in your life. Your leaves will be green, it says. Right? And the fruit is Jesus' work in our lives. All the things that Jesus is doing in us and through us are the work. And now I could be here all day what the work is. But you'll see it's everything. In a few minutes you'll see it's everything. But if you want to test it, because we're called to test the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 uh, is powerful. Because what that does, it says, here's the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're wondering if something is of the Spirit, right, ask. Do I see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? If you don't see that, be very, very afraid. Because if you go earlier in this text, which I'm going to keep myself from talking about too much right now, I'll do what I want to, it talks about the other battle of the flesh, right? And it has fruit. So this is our check. Are we rooted well, is my attitudes, my actions, the things I'm doing, do they have the fruit of the Spirit? I tell you, I just going to be straight up with you. There's sometimes I've got opinions that I give, and I look over my shoulder at the fruit of the Spirit and say, hmm, that's not there. <laughs> that was a little flesh. A little anger got me. So let's get over here, get relined up, and get rooted again, right? Come on, you do it too. I know it. <laughs> But the thing is, we're rooted, right? We have that support. But then he says grounded. Grounded. And grounded in this way, okay? Grounded uh, is this image of, a, of an anchor. Hebrews uh, 6, 19 uh, talks about Jesus being our anchor. And what an anchor does for a ship is allow safety when the storms come. Because you guys, I'm looking around, most of you, are, you know this, because you've already experienced the storms are coming. I'm sure you've already traveled some. I got some bad news. There's more coming, right? More coming. But what a ship does when a, a storm comes, it can drop its anchor and it secures it, keeps it safe. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to set Christ to work in your life deep so that you can be safe. And I love this. If a ship didn't have an anchor and here comes a storm, you know what they do? They'd have to get back to harbor. They have to go, get out of here, right? They'd have to leave the mission of what they're doing because of the storm. But when you have an anchor and you're grounded, guess what? You can drop that anchor. You can trust it, rely on it, and stay on mission. I'm not leaving. I'm going this way in the name of Jesus. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of Christ, I'm going to be anchored and grounded. I'm not going anywhere. Not by my strength, not by my might, Right? I'm holding steady, and here comes the storm, and I'm grounded because of his work. It makes us unmovable, okay? It makes us unmovable. And the last thing about this depth that he uh, talks about in verse 19 uh, is the fullness. You'll see the fullness here. Verse 19 and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And, and there's two, the fullness aspect. Fullness in our knowing and fullness in our filling, okay? In our knowing, he mentions a couple things here uh, about comprehending. And he says, and to know Christ's love. Comprehending is information. I understand, I get it. I've been exposed to uh, 
God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Got it. Okay? That's important, right? If you don't know, you don't even know, right? Uh, and so we want you to know. We want you to know the scriptures, what Jesus teaches, you know. That's why we have something we call biblical foundation, so that you can learn these scriptures better and know and have confidence. Knowing, important, excuse me, comprehending. But this idea of knowing, it's important there. Um, the Greek word there uh, of knowing, knowing this love of Christ and the work that he's doing, uh, is a word, it's the same word used to describe the intimacy between a husband and a wife. You know, it, it, when, it, we need to be in the fullness of not just information, but actually being engaged and experiencing at the deepest of level of who we are, Jesus' work in our lives. It's to be experienced at the heart level. And it's cool when that happens, we can answer the call to, that it, it surpassed knowledge. What does surpass mean? Go past, right? Pretty easy. I like this one. Test you can uh, surpass knowledge. You mean be, go beyond what you know. Go beyond what you can predict and move into the supernatural. Right? That's, once you go past knowledge, you enter into the supernatural, the divine. Miracles, we call that. One of the great sadnesses is that in church, most people I talk to do not experience the supernatural miracles. God is not much more than a textbook full of information and a really, really good, I sound, rational idea versus something that's supernatural, powerful, doing a mighty work. But that's what he wants. He wants us to be full in our knowing, our experiencing everything that he is, experience him supernaturally. To the fullness of God, it says. To the fullness of God. And this, and we could speak forever, so let's, let me, now what is this getting at a little bit? To, you know, to be full in our filling. Think of a picture of a hotel, okay? And what is a hotel's goal? To have every room, right, rented. No, no vacancies would be the perfect thing. The same is true with God for you. If a room represents every aspect of your life, every activity, every thought, every belief, every conviction, Every express, everything, everything these rooms represent. What God's goal is, is to fill you fully with that. Have every room, no vacancy, because God is in every room. Jesus is dwelling at home through the work of the Holy Spirit in every single room. No vacancies. Right? Now, God is good and gracious, so generally, He doesn't say, here's everything. Fill them all right now. <clears throat> There's a growing process. Remember we talked about? Leads you to all truth. He's growing you. So the image would be like, the first floor, how's it going? Where's your faith at? <clears throat> or each room of your faith filled by the Holy Spirit. Is Christ dwelling in there? Is there fruit? Right? And then he grows you, and you know, there'll be another floor. And our life experience is about this. It's a, it's a Christian word called sanctification. Progressive sanctification, meaning our continuous growth, okay? You with me there? But let me ask you a question. Step outside. Your life is this hotel. 
Are your rooms full? Is Christ in every room? There's the Holy Spirit working. Is there a no vacancy sign? <laughs> or by no, my, my internet use over here. No, he's not there. I haven't given that. Let the Holy Spirit come in and do his work. And let Christ dwell there yet. Boy, my attitude, my talk, how I handle finances, my family. You with me? And it's beautifully endless. And then one room at a time. We give it to him. So I ask you, if you look and you see an empty room, will you say you can have this one? Open the door. Let him in. Come on. Yeah, you can have this one. I didn't think I was going to give that one up. Holy Spirit, come in. Do a miracle. Do something that I haven't been able to do for 40 years. Will you come do it? Because I want Christ to dwell in there richly. Right? Richly. And so what's the full measure of God? I mean, it's really when every room is full. Uh, and, and that's our lifelong journey. So I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. Man, just think one room at a time. And so how does this power come out of this, this power that he promised us? Well, it's this way, right? Uh, it, it's when each room is filled uh, with his redemption, meaning we have allowed him, his work on the cross to redeem us, his blood to wash us. Uh, his victory over grave to, to raise us in a resurrected life, new life in each room, then it becomes full because as he promised, it's full of the Holy Spirit, right? It's when us in that room, as it represents some sort of thought expression of us, is in the likeness of Christ because that's his goal. That becomes our test. Is this look like Jesus in us? That is the full measure of God. And when that happens, the power starts pumping out through things called uh, your talents and spiritual gifts. Talents are this. Talents are the things that you were born to. You're good. I can play music. I can ride a bike. I can sing. I can do math. I can organize. Whatever. Right? All called still to bring glory to God. But then there's this other thing that he gives us at our spiritual birth. And that's spiritual gifts. And there's a few places in scriptures uh, that talk about that. I don't believe the spiritual gifts are, every spiritual gift is listed in scripture. I think any manifestation, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 7, uh, in our lives uh, is a spiritual gift, right? So somebody could have a natural talent and then you not, uh, and yours might be a spiritual gift and theirs is a talent. Are you with me on this? It's important to understand it, but... God is working in your life, and if he's working in the fullness of that, he's going to use your spiritual gifts. He might use, you may have the gift of administration, right? Uh, he might uh, use you to bring glory to himself through that. It may be faith. It may be giving. Uh, it may be speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, prophesying, right? Healing, miracles, the whole scope of the spiritual gifts, right, that God is going to give you for the common good, it says. To build his church up for a reason. That's the full. The fullness of God in you. And as you hear this idea of spiritual gifts, and you say, well, I don't even know what mine are. Find out. 
couple ways you can do it. Come talk to us. You know, we'll send you, you can go online. There's a million spiritual gifts tests, right? Is there one better than another? Ah, maybe, but take any of them. Take the free one first, right? You really like it? Didn't pay, right? Um, you can do that. Um, come talk to one of us, one of the pastors can talk to you. Talk to one of your believing friends. That's the best. They'll tell you what it is because they know. They see it in you, right? We actually do this class, so, and join in our family. Look for that. But step into that. Find out because God wants to fill you full and have his characteristics and his power and the Holy Spirit just come out of your lives. Okay, so the last thing as we come down to this, I love this, is Paul in verses 20 and 21, just, now his prayer kind of changes a little bit, you know, but he prays for a powerful witness. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. So Paul says, when you surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, and Christ is dwelling richly in your heart, and you've surrendered to that work, um, this is what you see. Your God gets big. Look at that scripture. That he can do how much more? Abundantly. How, what does abundantly mean? A lot. Just say it real long. A lot, right? He can do a lot. God becomes big when we surrender to the Holy Spirit and let God, the Spirit, work in us. What happens? Our faith gets big. Because whose power is it that's working within us? His so when you have a big God, he's big, and you have a, a big faith that says, I trust his power, not mine. What happens is, man, your life gets big. You start getting a God-sized life. A life that he says that um, it's bigger than what you can even uh, ask for. Now, I'm kind of like everyone, I'm a little spoiled. I want things, right? I ask for this and you know, haven't got a Lamborghini yet? No, I don't really pray for that, right? You know, I'm asking for whatever. Give me this, 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 this. You know, most of my prayers are asking. But he takes it a step further. He says, I can do more than that than you can think. You guys probably are getting this idea. I'm a little on the crazy side, right? I'm a dreamer. What I can think is huge and crazy. But what's he say? Far more abundantly than even that, Scott. That's what I'm going to do if you'll surrender to the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is praying for, right? That we'd have a big God, big faith, and see a big God-sized life. And don't get me wrong, okay? That's not, okay, you're going to go up to the Red Sea and it's going to part. Can God do that? By faith, I say yes. Uh, but man, sometimes it's, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to treat my wife with respect, God, I'm going to say yes to the things you have for me. Right? I'm going to treat my finances with integrity. See, these sometimes are miracles. Well, that's not, oh yeah, it's a miracle. I'm going to let God, I'm going to trust his voice in my life. When he speaks, I will speak. I'm not afraid of that. If he gives me a gift I don't understand, I will step out in faith and say, yes, I receive it in the name of Jesus. Your life gets big, it gets God-sized, and that's what he wants. Is your life God-sized? If I hung out with you, and I say, wow, I can tell God's at work there. Whew, that's something different. It's one of my greatest prayers. 
that if you hung out with me, what you would experience is like, huh, that guy's a little weird, but man, God seems to be working in him. That'd be the greatest compliment ever given because this whole story is God's story. It's about the power within us that can do far more than we can imagine. And God, the Holy Spirit, wants to work in our lives. And you and your life and this church will become everything that God has it when we surrender to the Holy Spirit's work in our life. It's by His design. It's by His design. And we get God's results when we do that. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me right now. Um, and, um, you know, we're going to worship God. We're going to sing a song called Fullness. It just talks about the fullness of God, what he does. You'll hear some phrases that I'd use in these tongues of fire, testifying to the Son so, so that Christ would dwell in our hearts, these powerful work in our lives. I want you to sing that from a place of faith. I want you to be willing and able to step in and say yes to what, all that God has for you. But I'm going to do something. I'm a little on the bare side, but it's making me do it, okay? Because Paul says in verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, whom the entire, the whole family gets its name. You're the family of God. I am. And Paul, you know, before a Roman guard, dropped on his knees and prayed for the people he loved. Nor sure I love you. I tell you all the time. And I'm just going to follow Paul's example. I want to follow my knees. I'm going to pray over you. And then Josh and team's going to lead us in fullness. And let's just sing out. And we're going to have a prayer team up here. Um, and they can come. I'm going to invite them up now. If God just moves in your heart, you come pray. I hang out right here. You come talk to me. Okay? But I want to pray for you. Father God, you are so powerful. You are so amazing that you would invite us in. Man, I just think of my own life. Uh, I know it's true of all of us. Man, we do not treat you like you treat us. You are a God of invitation. You are a God of family. And I pray for each person here that they would get an overwhelming sense of your love and your invitation to be family part of the family of God. And I pray at, at the deepest level, at the soul level, in their inner being, that they would be moved by the power of the Holy Spirit so that Jesus can dwell in their hearts richly. God, if there's any person here that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray your Holy Spirit would convict them and the Father would draw them and they would in faith say, yes, I'm a sinner and I need saved. And the only salvation comes through Jesus Christ, his blood on the cross, his death, and the life comes from his resurrection. For those that know that, God, I pray they'd step into it big. They'd step into it and allow God to be God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they'd allow and they'd surrender to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do a powerful work in their lives. God, would you take any inhibitions away from us? It is about you, not our own glory, not about our own even experiences. It's about you and who you are. And may the world know through each individual here that you're the Son of God and you love them 
and life only comes through you. We pray these things in the mighty